God hopes and dreams for us more than us becoming half-baked cakes. We are not to be consumed by what the world says is good. We are to love what and who God loves. Here is a reading from Hosea, chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. When I would heal Israel, the evil acts of Ephraim are exposed, and the wicked deeds of Samaria, for they deceive and steal. A thief breaks in, a group of bandits raid outside, but they don't consider within their hearts that I remember all their wickedness. Now their deeds show who they are right in front of my face. By their wickedness they make the king glad and give joy to the officials with their lies. They all act like adulterers. They are like a heated oven whose baker doesn't need to stoke the fire from the kneading of the dough until it is leavened. On the day of our king, the officials became sick with the heat of wine. He stretched out his hand to those who mocked him. They approached like a hot oven, their hearts burning. Throughout the night, their anger smolders. In the morning, it continues to burn like a flaming fire. All of them are hot as an oven. They devour their rulers. They, all their kings have fallen. None of them calls upon me. Ephraim mixes himself among the peoples. Ephraim is like a flat bread that is cooked on only one side. Strangers have eaten up his strength, yet he doesn't know it. Gray hairs are sprinkled here and there upon him, yet he doesn't know it. Israel's pride is a witness against him, yet they don't return to the Lord their God or seek him because of all of this. Here ends the third reading. Well now, gracious, loving God, in these moments, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together in this place be found pleasing in your sight, O God, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Well, sisters and brothers, peace to you this morning and grace from the Lord Jesus Christ. So the title of the message this morning, as you may already have ascertained, is based on some words by one of the Old Testament prophets, the prophet Hosea, back in the 8th century BCE. Hosea lived around the same time as the prophets Isaiah and Amos during those devastating final days of the northern kingdom of Israel just before Assyria conquered the nation, carried the people into exile, captured them, carried them away. And so it's Hosea's job as prophet to speak to God's people about God's judgment and God's unwavering love for them. If you read through Hosea, you'll find that he refers to Israel throughout the book as Ephraim. Ephraim was the largest tribe in Israel, was the capital of the northern kingdom. And so sometimes the whole nation was referred to as Ephraim. Which brings us to our tiny little text today, just one little fragment. In the seventh chapter of Hosea, the text you just read, uh, heard, read, 
The prophet is, is talking sternly to the people about their unholy political alliances. And for whatever reason, he wanders into a baking uh, image here. And he says, he says this, he says, Ephraim is like flatbread that's cooked only on one side. Other translations put it this way, Ephraim is like a cake not turned. My favorite translation of Hosea 7, 8 says, very simply, Ephraim is half-baked. So in that day and time, people cooked flat cakes on a very hot stone. And the prophet is reminding people of what happens when the cakes are forgotten about and not turned over. One side is charred, the other side is raw. Um, overdone here, underdone there, and utterly unfit to eat. Uh, the recipe is fine. The stone is the right temperature. The cooking time is correct. But because of that one little detail of it not having been flipped over, it's burned uh, and raw at the very same time. It's a little like what used to happen to me whenever I went to the beach back in the days before I had any sense. This crazy white woman would lie down in the sun every year with the goal of becoming bronzed in one afternoon. And without fail, I, I would fall asleep in the sun or I'd get caught up in my book and forget to turn over and I'd come home from spring break fish belly white on one side and tomato red on the other. What I think I hear the Spirit saying this morning is that many of us are just that way morally and spiritually. We're like a half-baked cake, overdone in some ways and thoroughly underdone in others. For example, you have someone who is honest as the day is long, She's trustworthy, she's dependable, she honors her commitments. She's known for following through and doing the right thing. At the same time, she's noticeably lacking in compassion. Her capacity for empathizing with people in pain is almost non-existent. She struggles with mercy. On the other hand, here is someone who always has a word of encouragement on his lips. He's as kind a person as you would ever want to meet. But when push comes to shove, he's also unreliable. You never know if he's actually going to show up. He makes his way compassionately through life, but leaves a trail of unfulfilled good intentions. Or... Here's someone who loves helping people, always there to lend a hand, nothing he wouldn't do for you, but he talks too much and too freely. If you tell him something in confidence, he's likely to pass it on. We could go on and on and on with this kind of thing. Here's a person who's good-hearted and gentle, full of mercy, but in addition to being merciful, is also materialistic driven by appetite, obsessed with a craving for more, someone for whom enough is never enough. Or here is someone on one hand who's committed to justice, is a brave advocate for those who need a voice, and yet she has little tolerance for those who aren't as committed or who hold different opinions than hers. While over here, here's someone who cares so much about what people think, he's basically spineless, afraid to take a stand anywhere. 
Or here is someone who's generous with money, but ask for her time and she'll freeze you out. Or another person who's generous with time, but when it comes to money is very stingy. Or here is someone who's faithful in prayer, but never really puts feet to his prayers, while over here is someone full of good works, but hasn't prayed in years. Here's someone who's always doing nice things for people, but also says mean things about people. And here is someone who's industrious in everything, but also terribly anxious about everything. Does this sound familiar to you? Point is, we're all uneven. Overdone here, underdone there. It seems we all are half-baked. Why is that? I think it's fair to say that in the areas where many of us are pretty strong, uh, we're exhibiting strengths that maybe we have always had, we've had pretty much from birth. Or we were shaped that way so young that now we can hardly help it. It's just part of our natural temperament. Maybe most of us who are strong in compassion were, let's face it, born tender-hearted and sensitive. And those of us who are disciplined and meticulous maybe have always had stories told about us by our parents of how we always had to have our little ducks in a row, even as children. In other words, many of us, maybe most of us, are people who have grown in becoming more of what we always were, but have not in many ways changed from what we weren't into what God was inviting us to become. In other words, the virtues most of us have developed are virtues that have come naturally to us. And that's not a crime. I'm, I'm not knocking that. We'll celebrate virtues and strengths by whatever means they come to us. The thing is, we do belong to a Christ who overcame death to make a new creation. And we have living within us the very spirit of God that empowers people to change and to grow. Do you remember something Jesus once said to his disciples? He said, if you love only those people who love you, what reward is there for you in that? Even tax collectors do this. Or if you greet only your own brothers and sisters, how are you different from everybody else? Even the pagans do this. Hearing him say that, can you also hear him say, what good is it if you are strong only where you are naturally strong? Anyone can do that. What reward is there if you excel only in the areas of character that are easy for you, even the pagans do that. I wonder if we can hear the Spirit of Christ say to us today, don't be content to be half-baked, overdone here, underdone there, in the hands of the good shepherd, dare I say, the good baker. Let yourself be turned. Now, 
That's not to say that's not a painful process sometimes. I still remember the injured look in my young friend's eyes just a few years ago when, because of my inattention, someone I cared about got hurt. I'm hardwired to be a people-oriented person. In my healthy, grounded state, that's actually a strength for me. The underbelly of that strength is that sometimes I can be manipulative of people if I have a goal in mind. When I'm sitting one-on-one -on -one with somebody, it's all about the relationship. And yet, when I'm around a table with a goal in front of me, I can forget there's a person at the other end of that conversation. And so a few years ago, I made an administrative decision in pursuit of a goal that caused injury, and I was feeling some shame about that as a pastor. So I talked about this situation with someone here in Washington who often listens and prays with me and offers wise counsel now and then. And she said some things to me that day that helped me, and I... And I I offer it today because when you're contending with your underbelly areas, maybe they'll be of help to you as well. First, she said to me, Julie, life isn't about getting it perfect. It's about walking a healthy path in the midst of getting it right and getting it wrong. She said, this moment you're experiencing is less about your doing it perfectly, about being a perfect pastor, and more about your choosing a healthy response after you blow it. In your case, she said, this will probably include asking forgiveness from this person. And she was right. Second, she said this to me. She said, if you are impatient with some part of yourself, that's a clue that you simply momentarily have wandered away from your center with God. She said, mature, grounded in God, Julie, is your core identity. Never forget that. And when you discover that you have temporarily merged with some underbelly characteristic of yourself, just gently bring yourself back to your center hidden in God. She reminded me that we don't have a shape up and do better God. We have a return to me again and again, God. By the way, churches can be half-baked too, overdone in some ways and underdone in others. Congregations all have their own personalities. For instance, there are churches that operate a little bit like clinics, where sin-sick patients receive sympathetic care for the disease they all share. It's basically palliative care in the church house. No one expects anybody to be fully healed, which is why there's not much emphasis placed on individual sin. Churches like this embrace a kind of no-fault theology in which nobody is responsible because everybody's responsible. On the other hand, there are churches that operate like courtrooms where both the sins and the sinners are named out loud along with punishments appropriate to the crimes. Barbara Brown Taylor 
reflecting on the nature of repentance once, said this. She said, true repentance doesn't work in either of those kinds of churches. It doesn't work in the church as clinic because repentance will not make peace with sin. And true repentance won't work in the church as courtroom either because it's not interested in singling out scapegoats and punishing them. She said a third kind of church is needed. Not church as clinic, nor church as courtroom, but rather church as community of transformation. A church in which people are expected and supported in the business of new life. So, what if your life is like that cake? And what if you decided today, because God invited you to, to be turned? To acknowledge the good stuff you're already full of and to celebrate it and to give thanks to God for it and then to turn to some of the areas where you've been, shall we say, uh, underdone. If what you lack is discipline, turn to discipline, for instance. If what you lack are mercy and compassion, turn to these. Whatever it is in your character that's been unaddressed, untouched, unconverted, your anger, your anxiety, your generosity with your time or your money, your chastity, your charity, your honesty, your availability. In other words, your uncompleted self. What if this morning you were to take that and turn it into the hands of the beloved? This is the calling of Holy Spirit today over every one of us in this room. And so let's live into it. Let's be turned for God's sake and also for ours. And so gracious God, this morning please deliver us from apathy where we've abdicated our responsibility of growing always toward Christ. We ask this morning both for pardon and for empowerment. We thank you for your loving invitation in every moment to return to you our center and to live from that strength even as you continue to grow us into the likeness of Christ in whose name we pray. Amen. This morning, as we step through this doorway into silence and stillness, I want to invite you this morning, and we've, we've done this here and there, um, I want to invite you to choose one of three physical gestures that are meant to gently bring you back to your center with God. These are the three gestures, a hand to your heart, um, feet on the ground, the feel of your feet on the ground beneath you, or a deep breath in and out. 
And as you do either of these, a hand to your heart, you remember that God is as close to you as the last heartbeat. Um, feet on the ground is a great reminder that you are grounded in the love of God. That deep breath in and out of your chest, God is as near to you and available to you as that last breath you just took. And so when it occurs to you that you're suddenly operating from your underdone self, let one of those gestures just gently bring you back to your grounded in God self. And so let's enter now into silence. Silence. 